You're listening to the second episode of the Frollo podcast. I'm Zoe, the founder of Frollo, a social networking app and community for single parents that's launching soon. On the Frollo podcast series, I will be talking to single parents or Frollos about their stories and experiences. I will also be chatting to a range of experts who will be able to share valuable guidance related to single parent life. Today, I am joined by solo mother by choice, Genevieve Roberts. Genevieve has a daughter, Astrid, who's two and is also 37 weeks pregnant with her second sperm donor baby. Genevieve has just written a book called Going Solo, My Choice to Become a Single Mother Using a Donor, which came out last week and is published by... Piaticus, is that right? Yes. Yes, Piaticus. Um, so Genevieve, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks to for having me. Talk to us, um, to talk to me and uh, to, you know, tell your story to the Frollo community. Um, so there are quite a few um, single mothers by choice in the Frollo community and also a lot of people who are on that journey as well. So I know it will be really interesting to to them and to lots of other people who might be considering this as an option to hear your story mm-hmm. and how you came to the decision to to do this. Um, so I, I was just uh, saying to you, I got your, your book in the post uh, yesterday from... Amazon, I just got back from holiday, so I've only had uh, less than 24 hours to to delve into it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Oh, I'm so pleased. Yeah, it's great. It's a real page turner and I love your honesty and your, you know, there's a lot that I already, there's a lot that I relate to in the book. Uh, you spoke about um being in school and chatting with your friends and saying, oh, when I'm this, you know, everyone talking about when I'm this age, I'm going to get married. When I'm this age, I'm going to have a baby. Um, As if, you know, it's just our decision, kind of how we kind of these big life, significant life events happen and when they take place. And obviously, as we realise, that's not how life works out for us. <laughs> yeah, it certainly hadn't crossed my mind at that stage that yeah. um, that life wasn't quite such a predictable track. Um, and I think that's probably really the biggest thing about the book, whether it's you've become a, a solo mum or not. I think it's just a story about how when life doesn't follow the tracks that maybe you'd expected, that's when the some of the most beautiful and best moments come along. Um, and yeah, that can be in, for me, that's having Astrid and and being so lucky to have my daughter and, uh, and my son who's on his way. For other people, that could be something totally different. But um, I think the minute your life deviates from what you'd expected, that's perhaps uh, allows some extra magic to to come in. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. And I love the way you've put that uh, because, well, I guess in my own experience, it's when my relationship broke down, you know, there is such heartbreak over the family that I dreamed of and desperately wanted. But now it's given me an opportunity to opened up a vision for Frollo and creating this community. So it's like sometimes things have to happen the way they're forced, to, you know, they're forced to happen in a certain way in order to show you another kind of route or way or to help you 
become the person that you're you're supposed to be. Um, And so in terms of having those conversations with your friends in school and to where you are now, what has that journey looked like or how did you come to be at this point? Well, I'm really lucky that those friends in school are still uh, very close friends and and remember having that conversation with them. So it's lovely that there's some things that that do stay with you. Um, I guess I... Did I was very much a serial monogamist. Um, I was always in a relationship uh, through my teenage years and into my 20s. Um, and I, I love relationships. They're great. Um, then I got together straight after my kind of longest, most long-term boyfriend. Um, I think, I, I guess it's fair to say very much on the rebound, did get together with someone who I ended up marrying and divorcing very, very quickly. Um I think that really threw my sense of uh, judgment and it was a mistake that I would never have wanted to have made. And I think after that, I was very, very cautious indeed about relationships. So all of a sudden, I was in my 30s. I didn't feel an especial rush to have children at that stage. There were lots of other things in my life that were very fulfilling. Most of my friends around me hadn't started having children quite then. And then fast forward a few years from that, and I really wanted to find out my fertility levels. I'd never forgotten those those conversations and this just expectation. I'd just taken it so for granted that I would get the chance to have children. And so I went at 37 to find out my fertility levels, expecting them to be sky high, perhaps naively, but I'd had a miscarriage a couple of years um, earlier with a, with a p- partner. And so, yeah thought that my worry was actually carrying a child rather than getting pregnant. So I was pretty devastated when they told me that my fertility levels were so low that I should, if I wanted to have a child, it was something I needed to act on sooner rather than later or come to terms with the idea that 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 may not happen for me. And for you, like, did that immediately make you think, okay, I need to do something about it, about this now? Or was it, uh, was there a kind of, was it a gradual process? Um, It was maybe several months from having that to actually trying to get pregnant. So it was quite sudden. It wasn't a like, oh, I'll sit on this for a year and work out what I'm going to do. It absolutely brought it front of mind for me. And as I say, relationships were really important to me and I, I'd never questioned how I was going to have children. I kind of thought it was a deliberate consequence of being in a in a relationship. Yeah. But all of a sudden it was that idea that I might not be able to have children. And I told myself, and whoever knows how much, I told myself as long as I could try to have children, if it wasn't going to happen to me, that that was easier to come to terms with than not trying at all. Um, And it suddenly felt less important to have everything kind of right at the, you know, I felt like I could meet someone further down the line. There was no time limit on that. The time limit was on becoming a parent. Um, And I just I just had this real strong feeling that 
if I came to the end of my life, the biggest regret I would ever have would be not trying to become a parent. Mm-hmm. So it, at that point, it felt it was almost simpler to go ahead with it than not to because it would have been, I found it so very hard to come to terms with the idea that I wasn't even going to try becoming a parent. Yeah. But and I at the same time, it just must take such a huge amount of determination to kind of, you know, cross the line in terms of making that decision because it's obviously such a huge decision life-changing in so many ways and you know even deciding to have a child when you're in a relationship I think is such a huge thing it's like you know it's a scary thing for a lot of people to go okay okay you know (laughs) going from just me to being completely responsible for another human being for the rest of your your life it's huge I did feel this sudden weight of responsibility it was a really welcome weight of responsibility it was something I'd longed for for so long yeah um I was also so lucky in terms of the support I received from people around me I was very open right from the start a lot of people if you're in a couple and you're having fertility treatment think you're far less likely to be open about it often just a couple keep that together um you know it's something that they're just working on whereas obviously being on my own I I had a real support a different support network and that meant that even before I decided to do this I spoke to people asked them their views what they thought and I think people knew how much I wanted to become a parent and how important it was. I suspect a few of them were quite relieved that I was finally getting on because um, I think they were probably aware that, that you know, fertility doesn't last forever. Um, my mum said to me, uh, do I realise that she'd love me just as much if I didn't have children. I think she wanted to just make sure it wasn't something that was a kind of social pressure. Sure. Um, But again, she was incredibly supportive. And yeah, I was so buoyed up by by that support that I received and both both, um, Astrid and I continue to receive. So we're really fortunate. Yeah, and I would imagine that for anybody just knowing what it's like to be a mother (laughs) and also to be a single mother Uh, but then in my situation obviously I I co-parent so I have the you know it's either all me or then suddenly you know like I just came back from a holiday with my son Billy two days ago and we had a week of like intense but lovely amazing time together and then it was the handover to his dad in the oh, airport yeah and he's gone for the week and the kind of contrast of that is really hard to to deal with and yeah. yet at the same time I'm grateful for being able to kind of catch up on all the other areas of my life that I don't get to focus on properly when he's on my watch yes. you know um so I would just imagine for um, somebody who's doing this all by themselves, you just you need a, such a strong support network around you. Do, do you think that's absolutely crucial in terms of the people that you have around you? I think it's definitely worth trying to set that up yeah. right from the start um, and and kind of checking checking that you are going to have some support, whether that's 
you know, for some people that might be that they have a nanny um, or or something else. If they yeah. don't, you know, not everyone's lucky enough to have family yeah. um, or friends around. But but I think some sort of you you need that fallback for if you're unwell and you you literally physically can't look after your child very much. Um, you, it's good to have someone who you can call on, and I think, yeah, I think I think that's that does make things feel a lot more secure. Yeah, and in terms of making decisions for you know Astrid, like you know, I read a bit in in the book about what nursery she's going to go to and things, sharing the load of those decisions and even the emotional stuff. Do you have? a certain person or certain people that you can turn to to kind of sanity check things or bounce things off or just have a cry if it's getting too much? I definitely, I noticed it with the nursery decision. We moved to Hove quite recently and she's changed from her childminder who I absolutely loved to being at a nursery. And I found that so hard. I looked around various nurseries. I took my mum round one. I I got in touch with... um, various friends and asked them and so yeah there there are people who get kind of slightly random whatsapps going so <laughs> i'm wondering about That's x great. or y yeah um and yeah i guess i do do ask people their opinions on things like that because they feel like such big decisions yeah and they affect her day to day and so they are they are big but I also think I've learned to rely on my instincts a lot more yeah um certainly when I was very first a parent and you're just learning how to be a mum and and learning to look after a newborn and actually our instincts are are, are generally so so good. Yeah. Um, you're so in touch with your child that that yeah, if you're worried about them, often that is something that's it's worth getting checked Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, for anyone in any kind of experience of motherhood, whether it's single parenting or not, it, that's such an important thing to focus on your own uh, intuition because yeah. otherwise you're just going to hear 50 million different things from 50 million different people right. and question everything and be completely <laughs> confused so yeah I think that's good solid um, advice yeah um, and there's definitely some upsides as well like in terms of that I remember a friend and I think I do mention it in the book and them talking about I think it was like a decision over I can't remember whether it was like cutlery or what to first wean their child on and those sorts of things and I think constantly checking with someone um, like amazing to have someone who who's that invested but also those kind of you don't realize that you're making all these micro decisions on behalf of your child all the time all the time especially you know in that first when they're they're kind of one and they I mean my daughter's now two and she has a fairly strong opinion about what she's going to wear and things like that but but a year ago she she I was making a lot of those decisions for her yeah um and I think it would have I think there's a hardness of like constantly, constantly checking and kind of almost doubting yourself because you're not going, oh, okay, we'll go for peas first or, yeah, you know, whatever, yeah. um, whatever it is that day. And I think that can that can add a, an extra level almost of stress to parenting. Yeah. 
um, when probably at the end of the day all results are equal in that moment it might feel like a huge thing whether they have peas or broccoli first in their yeah. diet but but overall that's unlikely to affect their, exactly. their taste as they grow up. Yeah for sure and for anyone who might be considering going down this route or has you know had the, had the thought what are the steps that yeah, how does it work once you have the idea and you think, okay, I think I'm going to look into this. What do you do? How do you go about it? So I went to a fertility clinic first yeah. to find out about my fertility levels. I also went to my NHS doctor who gave me the test that they could they could they were allowed to give um, because I wasn't in a couple who'd been trying to have a child for a certain amount of time there there weren't a full range of tests that could be given to me but she said that personally she was very supportive so she was she gave um, I think maybe it was one or two blood tests and then I went to the fertility clinic who did the full range and did a scan um, and they checked my AMH levels, which is the anti-Mullerian hormone, which sort of suggests your ovarian reserve. Okay. Um, from that, I they recommended a sperm bank to me, um, and I then picked the the donor sperm that I was going to use. And how do you is do they give a background of the donor and how much detail do they go into? So I, part of it depends where the sperm comes from. Okay. Um, all the sperm worldwide has to be, uh, if it's if if the any procedure any fertility treatments being done in the UK, it has to follow the HFEA guidelines. But if you're getting sperm from a broad sometimes you get a lot more detail okay. um i could see photos of the donors as babies and as adults lots of health details um lots of kind of character profiling and letters that they'd written um just to give some background on themselves that then parents can pass on to their child so that yeah. they can really understand a little bit more um about their genetics that's really great. i it's, didn't realize that 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 happens that's so good for the child isn't I it i think so i mean for me i think the most important thing is the the ruling changed in 2005 so you have there's no anonymity now okay so when a child is 18 they can get in touch with that donor yeah and they're not going to swoop in as some kind of belated dad figure yeah but just to kind of understand where you came from yeah. I think for a lot of people conceived by donor that's actually really nice it's just like a piece of a jigsaw yeah. that you put into place and I think that can be really just just give a bit of context and I think it's really good that in this country we we change that law yeah for sure and are you able to contact the donor or is it just Astrid and her little brother because it's the same donor yes isn't it? it's yeah. the same donor yeah. yes which yeah. which i think's great because then they can They're, share that experience I know, together so lovely yeah. um, but absolutely it's their that's their decision if yeah. they're curious i will do everything yeah. to kind of help that happen yeah. if they're if they're not i will never find out you know yeah. it's totally not yeah. um not not me who is the one in control of that and yeah. i think that's absolutely right it's not about me um yeah it's it, that's their, yeah. their thing and i you know i feel like there are quite a lot of details but it's just not something for me to show curiosity about it's 
it, yeah, it's their, it's totally their story. Yeah. And I'm part, it feels like our family story. Yeah. But it's their decision. Yeah. Um, when they're adults. Yeah. yeah. And I would imagine that, like you say, it is really nice that they will be in that together as well as brother and sister. Yeah, and I hope to, so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think. And, and just there's things that you, you, I mean, I know from when I was a teenager, there's things you don't really want to chat about to your mum. Yeah. I always want to be so open. You know, I already talked to Astrid about it. It's, it's never going to be a surprise to yeah. her. Um, I will be always there for any questions. And, and it's, yeah, I think it's really important that she knows that. But at the same time, yeah, there are things that maybe she won't want to talk about with yeah. me. And I think that's why it's important. She has role models um, who aren't, you know, like male and female of role course. models outside our family yeah. um, who we've, you know, chosen and made into family. But also um, that, yeah, hopefully that will be lovely that she can talk to her brother who's in exactly the same situation. Yeah, and part of the reason why I want to create Frollo is so that my son... Billy can experience other family dynamics that aren't just, you know, the stereotype, you know, the 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 traditional family as we as we've kind of seen it, you know, the yeah. mom and the dad and the, you know, um, you know, I want him to see that there are lots of people in all different types of families, different shapes and sizes, and to really understand that this is like this is normal this is good this is great and to experience that through the Frollo community and I'm just wondering do you have a solo moms by choice community that you can tap into or does Astrid know any other little kids who are the same age as her who have the same setup? Yeah there is there's quite an active uh, community which is great um, people get together um, there's also kind of closed really hidden groups on social media um, where people people are in touch with each other by chance I when I did my um, pregnancy yoga there were two mums there who were had oh were also God, pregnant by donors wow. which um, did make me think that pregnancy yoga is there for a, a really self-selecting crowd wow. who are going along yeah. um, and we've just we've just moved to Hove and one of the reasons I, I picked Sussex was yeah. that it's such a liberal community I think it's wonderful uh, very similarly to you the idea that Astrid will go to a school where it it's unlikely that everyone will be mum and dad there'll yeah. be maybe some families with two mums two yeah. dads one mum one dad you know just that whole mix and I, I think like you is that that's it brings a real richness to life For and I sure. think that's a that's a really lovely thing yeah um but yeah the the solo mum community is a really supportive one um and I I, I've I'm really pleased to have discovered it. Yeah. Great. Well, and just to keep you in the loop, when the Frollo app launches in September, there will be a part for, uh, there, there'll be a way that you can find other solo moms by choice within the app as well. So oh, that's it'll be really great. easy to connect and organise meetups and events and and all of that oh, as well. Oh, what a good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and in terms of finan financially, like, you know, how does all of that work? Is it super expensive to go down this route? Can't, do you get any um, support from the government? Are there any, what, what do people need to know in terms of 
money and finances going down this route? Um, I think historically it has been something that involved quite quite a bit of savings. I'm very lucky that I had savings to do it. I do know of quite a few solo mums who've who've used credit cards and things like that. I think if you're in a position where you can't get credit, then then that probably is does start getting tricky. There are, I mean, even to the point that there are people who donate sperm free um, just because they they want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I went through a much more uh, kind of traditional, if you can call it that, way of sperm donation. So went to an official sperm bank okay. um, where you do pay for the sperm and it was maybe about seven, eight hundred pounds okay. for a vial of sperm. Okay. Um, so that's a not, you know, it's it's a significant amount. And does it, just in, in with regards to that, does it usually take one go or more goes or is there any kind of guidance around? It, it totally depends. I okay. mean, Astrid was conceived with artificial insemination, which is um, a lot less intrusive than IVF. Okay. Um, and is kind of a step up from a turkey baster, basically. Right. So my cycle was monitored, okay. and then sperm was inseminated. Okay. Um, that is not a particularly expensive procedure. It's about a thousand pounds. So compared to IVF, it's a lot less. Um, then my son artificial insemination wasn't working, and I did move on to IVF uh, to conceive him. That's more expensive. That was more in the region of maybe five thousand pounds. So you know, again, a, a, a really significant amount of money. Um, I felt that for me, I would, I don't qualify for NHS help, but I looked at the NICE guidelines and they would, were I in a partnership um, and it was my first child, the recommended amount is three rounds of IVF. Okay. And that's what they give to people on the NHS. And if it doesn't work after that, I think they say that your success isn't that likely. So right. that was what, I mean, I think there'd have had to be pauses while I saved up again. Yeah. But I kind of thought, well, I'll give it that recommended amount of tries. Yeah. And that seemed like a, a good way of doing it. But in terms of um, support for solo mums, there's not, I mean, I I even thought at one point, like, well, I could just pretend I'm in a in a yeah. in a lesbian couple. Yeah. Because how would anyone know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'd qualify. But I I think I'm a terrible liar, and <laughs> I was really worried that they'd go. Well, why doesn't your partner do it? And we'd end up in a in a complete mess. I mean, so, yeah, you'd have to find someone. Oh my and gosh! Like, oh my know, gosh! You know, getting hands. a friend to kind of pose. Yeah. Um. And yeah, suddenly, yeah, and yeah, certainly couldn't have done it with someone straight. Cause then uh, then it would been like well why am I yeah with a with a, with a male friend because then you'd question why on earth they weren't um offering their own sperm yeah. so, so the whole thing was just yeah a, a complete it was too impractical but um yeah and, there is a difference between couples and on that note it's uh, there's been I read a 35 percent increase is it in um yes. single moms by choice in the last few years yes wow. yes um and I guess I guess that's likely to continue. Absolutely. I think there'll be more figures coming out in the next month or so. Okay. Um, and I would expect that that would continue. And that's just the figures of people who have treatment in the UK. Yeah. You get a lot of people who go abroad. There's yeah. um, countries, I'm trying to think, I think 
I'm not quite sure, but some European countries, yeah, I think it's Spain, about half the price. Yeah, well, yeah. I know that there's a, there's a, I, I think there's a, a well-known uh, clinic in Spain. I think somebody I know went there. Um, but yeah, and and yeah, and just even for me, just in terms of people I know personally, there's quite like there's a handful of people and growing who have gone down that route. I think that's it, as it becomes more talked about. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing. It just makes people know that there is a choice. Yeah. And it might not be the right thing for them at all. But I think it's really great that women, often in their 30s, who are aware of declining fertility, don't start feeling like they're being slightly backed into a corner with yeah, no choices. Absolutely. And just knowing that there is that alternative, I think, means that then you've, you're, yeah, it, I think it gives a really good backup if if that's if you if children are important to you it means you're unlikely to make a really a mistake that maybe you will regret yeah because it doesn't stop you having children without a partner yeah and that's why I think it's so great that you're speaking so openly about it and that you've written your book because it is opening up the conversation and hopefully giving people the kind of reassurance and confidence that they might need to just you know look into it a bit more or to go down go down that route because just we are living in a world where people are not you know it's not realistic for everybody to find the person of their dreams <laughs> you know by a certain age and then have the family it's just not the way life works yeah unfortunately I... but um so i think and and why should we just sit back and keep our fingers crossed until it just and, and hope that one day our lives will be made complete by you know, another person walking into our lives. So yeah, I really hope so. And I think that's the thing. It might not have been the route that my teenage self thought I was going to follow, but I absolutely wouldn't change it for the world. You know, Astrid is an absolute joy in my life. And if I hadn't followed this route, she wouldn't be there. Yeah. And there's no way I would change that, not for not for anything. I mean, it's the the biggest decision I've ever made, but it's certainly the best decision I've ever made as yeah. well so I do feel really really lucky that's lovely yeah and uh, so I so another thing I have to ask you about is dating how does dating fit into this whole picture and how have you had the time or energy to even <laughs> think about dating <laughs> since Astrid has been born or what are is that yeah what, what are your kind of views on it right well now? I'm 37 weeks pregnant at the moment so yeah. if someone showed interest right at this moment I'd probably suspect them of having a slightly odd fetish yeah so, so I'm not not dating right now but um I did go on a few dates a while ago before I got pregnant um I think and nothing actually went anywhere. But I I feel like it's going to be quite a good filter, in all honesty. Absolutely. Um, I think I will always want someone if, you know, I wouldn't introduce someone immediately to my daughter mm. um, and, and my son in a few weeks. But, wow, they're going to have to be a great person yeah. for me to consider them. And, yeah. and I think that's a really, really good thing. Yeah. Um, I'm still really open to dating and I'm sure it's something that I will do. Um, I'd love a relationship sometime down the line, but I think it's, it's a great filter. And I also think that it's 
sort of flattering to them because I I would want to be with them just for them, you know. I suspect that a few years ago, without me even realising it, there'd have been a little bit of me that didn't just want to be with them for them, but also really wanted a family. Sure. Um, So in that way... uh, yeah, I, love, I think it's going to be, I, I suspect it'll, it'll work well. Yeah, I love that. And I love your, uh, you know, the the fil- a really good filter, your idea of that. That's how I feel about dating as well now. And it's kind of, I am way fussier than I used to be, not the <laughs> other way around. I'm not like, I hope someone takes me because I'm a, you know, I'm a single mom. It's more like, no, if I'm going to let you into my life, it means that you you know you're someone pretty special yeah absolutely and and I think that obviously you're a certain type of person you're you know a strong kind of determined capable amazing woman so you need a man to match that so you know in you know you've got you've got two kids you've brought into this world yourself so it's yeah that's what better filter you're you know just cut out the cut out the kind of guys who can't sort of live up to what you what you need I suppose yeah um yeah so and then finally I just wanted to ask you about the best things about being uh doing it this way and being a solo mom by choice and the and on the flip side the most challenging things so the most challenging things I guess um, I find when Astrid's ill, I find that really hard. I mean, not so much now, but when she was a bit younger, I just remeasure, remember measuring out hours because of cowpole doses and her temperature going sky high and trying to call that moment when you'd go to A&E. And I found that really hard. It would have been lovely to have some emotional reassurance in those moments of someone just saying, you're going, doing a good job or, or helping me make that call of like, yeah. okay, now's the time to react. Um... I think someone it's I feel really lucky that there's so many people in my life who do share the special moments with Astrid's like I mean even tiny stuff um you know she calls a duvet a snuggle and I find it the most charming thing in the entire world oh. that kind of thing those yeah. little little snippets that I love to share those they're what make her her and I I feel really pleased that there are lots of people around who will share those. But I imagine that if there was someone who loved her as much as I did, for them that would make their world go round too. So so those are those are kind of the hard moments, the very tough things, but also those kind of amazing, beautiful when you feel your heart burst with love and you're like, <gasps> and I'm so lucky that there are people who want to, who want to share those with me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, perhaps that would be easier with a partner um in terms of the the best things I mean every day is is utterly yeah there's not a day that goes by where I don't feel really really lucky um especially as she's growing and changing and becoming such a character um I just love seeing her outlook on life. Um, like the way she sings to herself is just, you know, it's fantastic. It really is. Um, I think there was also a simplicity that I hadn't expected of just trying to keep that relationship. When certainly when she was very very young, but sometimes even now, 
I concentrate on her. She's my focus. That's really very straightforward. Um, when I got out of hospital, we we spent the first couple of months just gazing at each other, feeding, sleeping. I was able to nap whenever she napped. Um, the housework kind of piled up around, but I wasn't trying to look attractive, yeah. which I know that a partner wouldn't expect, but which I perhaps would have imposed on sure. myself because I'd have thought, you know, might have sex with them later down the line. Yeah. Um, I wasn't trying to put on any act whatsoever, you know, and it was so, it was a really beautiful, magical time. And I know that's a really beautiful, magical time for many, many couples too. But yeah, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't realised just quite how wonderful that would be in its simplicity. Um, And I think there are things like that that happen quite regularly. It's not managing lots of different relationships um when I have my son as well you know that's that's bringing the extra relationship in but it's it's quite straightforward being able to make decisions um and there are some that would be wonderful to kind of get have someone else co-making them but certainly a friend who who's in a couple said don't estimate (laughs) underestimate how hard it is when you you don't know until you have a child what different views on bringing them up you're likely to have and that's not something that you're going to kind of sit around and chat about when you're dating someone and that actually there's an awful lot of compromise that goes on um and yeah there's there are some real pluses um yeah I feel I I feel like so yeah, I just feel so lucky, really, that yeah. it that it worked out. Because I know that some people have real problems with fertility treatment, and it can be a really long and tough process. So I was incredibly fortunate. Ah, oh, Genevieve, this has been such a lovely chat. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're, you're. I think yeah, it's really eye opening actually, and I think so much of what you said is informative. But then kind of will probably be be very helpful and reassuring to a lot of people who are kind of considering this as an option. So I really appreciate it. Oh, thank and you. The best of luck. Thank you. With Astrid's little brother. <laughs> and um, and I hope it all goes really well. Oh, and uh, I hope you get a little bit of downtime because I know you're doing a lot of uh, book promotion at the moment. I'm, I'm definitely going to be spending a little bit of time on the sofa coming up Good. and uh, just resting. OK, yes. well, enjoy and the best of luck with everything. And thank Thank you so much. Oh, thank again. you. Um, so, Genevieve, we, um, you are on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Oh, good question. <laughs> uh, it's my name. Genevieve so, Roberts. Yes, okay. yes. There look, might be an underscore. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Look, look for Genevieve Roberts on Instagram. And the book is called Going Solo, My Choice to Become a Single Mother Using a Donor. And you can find Frollo on Instagram at Frollo underscore app. And if you want to sign up for the waitlist of the app, go to www.frollo.co.uk. And I will be back next month with the next podcast. Thank you for listening.